I'm uh, station manager Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Jane, you ignorant slut. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. 3-605, 0.10, 0.20, 0.22, 0.24, 0.26, 0.50, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75, 
on the album are in the movie. However, there are some slight differences to some of the songs on the album. I do like that they they have mixed up, they put, they'll do a uh, Blues Brothers, Jake and Elwood song, and then they'll put, then they'll follow it up by James Brown, and then another Blues Brothers, and then they'll follow it up by Aretha Franklin. The album is put together well. You don't get all the Blues Brothers at one side, and you don't get all the guest artists on one side. It's mixed up. It goes it goes from the Blues Brothers to these great artists. They go back and forth, back and forth. It really makes the album flow. You don't get into, I don't want to say a rut, but I guess you don't get into a rut of all the Blues Brothers songs or all the, the guest star songs. The songs are perfect the way they are on this album. Side one starts off with She Caught the Katie. And whenever you hear that song, if you've seen the movie, you're just going to get the images of Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi just popping up on the screen as Jake and Elwood. They, they had to start the album off this way because this was the first song of the movie. And I thought they did a nice, a nice job of starting off the album. They start off side two with Think, with Aretha Franklin. God, she can sing. God, she can sing well. She's just pumping that song out. The only bad thing I would say about this, uh, especially with uh, Think and Shake Your Tail Feather, if you've seen the movie, you know that there's excellent choreography done throughout the movie, but also done with those two scenes. Excellent choreography. And you don't get to see that listening to the album. But if you've seen the movie and you hear the songs, you can just picture the choreography in your mind. That's what I did every time I hear the music. You just picture those excellent uh, choreographed scenes with everybody dancing. It's a companion piece. The album can stand on its own and the movie can stand on its own. I would suggest after you watch the Blues Brothers movie, if you have the album, just put it on afterwards and it'll just cement all the visions that you had of the movie when you hear the songs. It'll cement them in your head because you'll just recall them in your head. When you hear the songs, you'll hear the songs and then you'll adopt the scene that they were connected with in the movie. My suggestion to you, you don't have to, but you can. As I mentioned before, there's a couple of little differences on this album than in the movie. One of the differences is Minnie the Moocher, sung by the late, great Cab Calloway. The song is different on the album than it is in the movie because during the movie, while he's singing Minnie the Moocher, they cut away to Jake and Elwood trying to break into the place to perform. Some of the lines that Cab Calloway is singing, you can't hear in the movie because they've cut away and the music is playing in the background. When you listen to the album, you get the entire song from start to finish with no cutaways, with no fadeaways. You get to hear the entire song. You get to hear it belted out by Cab Calloway on the, on the album. That is one of the benefits of listening to the album as well as watching the movie. You get to hear the entire song of Minnie the Moocher, sung by Cab Calloway, which is beautiful. Now, we're going to go off on one of these. We're going to go off on a... Tangent alert. Tangent alert. Tangent alert. Tangent alert. That's right, a tangent alert. Cab Calloway... This, the movie was made, came out in the 80s, so it was made in the late 70s when disco was still the thing. 
Cab Calloway just did a disco version of Minnie the Moocher, and he wanted to do a disco version. Director John Landis was put his foot down and said, nope, we're gonna we're we're not doing the disco version, Cab. Cab Calloway was a bit pissed when that happened, so he did a version and he didn't do it the way John Landis wanted to. John Landis said, Cab, you can do better than that. And Cab Calloway went into the sound booth and he belted out the version that you hear in the movie and on the soundtrack. I have to give a lot of credit to John Landis. Cab Calloway, even though he, he his name might not have been what it was before when he made this movie, but Cab Calloway was a legend in this, in this industry. And for John Landis to say, no, we're not going to do a disco version. And for John Landis to say, no, you got to do a better version. My hat's off because it really pays off in the movie. Wow, that was a long tangent alert. And we are back. One of the other differences you'll hear on this soundtrack is the final song of the album and the final song. Well, no, it's not really a final song in the movie because they play uh, they play a song over the opening credits, uh, the ending credits. Jailhouse Rock. In the movie... Jake and Elwood and the band start playing Jailhouse Rock, and then they cut to all the guest stars singing a verse of Jailhouse Rock, and then they cut to the cast singing verses of Jailhouse Rock. They don't do that on the album. Once again, from the album, you get Jailhouse Rock sung from start to finish by Jake and the band. Honestly, the album is great, but I would say I actually prefer the uh, version from the movie where they cut to all the the co-stars singing a verse and then they cut to the the cast singing the verse i like that version better the version on the on the album is good it just ends there's just there's not a fade out it just ends abruptly boom and then the album is over and i don't know for some reason that just stuck with me. i just like that it's just dancing to the jailhouse rock bam it's over we've done our job and now let's take a break with a word from one of our sponsors. Hey everyone, are you ready to listen to something new on radio? Well, tune into Dr. Carmichael's Funtime Family Radio Hour. Dr. Carmichael's Funtime Family Radio Hour has all the fun you expect from radio, but is great for the whole family. Dr. Carmichael's Funtime Family Radio Hour has card tricks. Is this your card? Juggling. <laughs> Look at this, five balls. Painting. That's a tree. Mime. And of course, magic. Ta-da! A rabbit. All the things that make radio great, all in one place. Dr. Carmichael's Funtime Family Radio Hour. Gather the family, because you won't want to miss this. Dr. Carmichael's Funtime Family Radio Hour is sponsored by Dr. Carmichael's Alabama Redwood Country Elixir, Dr. Carmichael's Austin Outland Majestic Smoke Puffs, Dr. Carmichael's Upper Peninsula... And now back to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. ...genital stimulator, Dr. Carmichael's Coma Cardinal, and Dr. Carmichael's Vroom Vroom Energy Capsules, Dr. Carmichael, whose number one priority is family. And now back to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Those are the mainly the two songs that are slightly different from the movie. The rest of them, pretty much from the movie, the band, what can I say? John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd handpicked the Blues Brothers band and started on Saturday Night Live and ended up here in the movies and in Blues Brothers 2000. We'll talk about that. We'll probably talk about that at a later date. They could not have put together a better band. And you hear the band 
There's a couple of songs. There's the Peter Gunn theme where there's no vocals and you just hear the band. And then the song Sweet Home Chicago. Sweet Home Chicago is like a seven or eight minute song. It starts off with the Blues Brothers singing, but then there's a, but that's only like for the first couple of minutes of the song. Through the rest of the song, you just hear the band playing and you hear the band riffing. I will add this too. During the movie, while the band is riffing, there's a scene where Jake and Elwood are talking to a music producer about a contract with the Blues Brothers. It's playing in the background. You get the song on this album, you get the full intensity of the band playing. There's no fading out, there's no cutting down. This shows you what the band can do. Even if there was no singers, this band could hold its own. You could listen to a whole album of this band just playing with no singers. That's how good this band, this band they put together was. And the band might have been even better if one person was still involved. And we're going to go off on another... Tangent alert. Tangent alert. Tangent alert. Tangent alert. Another tangent alert, when it was originally put together, had Paul Schaefer on keyboards. And Paul Schaefer played with the Blues Brothers Band uh, on their first album, Briefcase Full of Blues. Played with them on Saturday Night Live. And then the movie came. They were filming, the Blues Brothers was filming the exact same time as Gilda Radner's show, Gilda Live, was playing on Broadway. And Paul Schaefer was dividing his time. He was doing the music for Gilda Live, and he was also trying to be a part of the Blues Brothers, the movie. This got John Belushi pissed. John Belushi did not want Paul Schaefer dividing his time. He was either all in with the Blues Brothers or not in at all. So he's not in at all. John Belushi, ipso facto, fired Paul Schaefer from the movie and replaced him with Murphy Dunn. And I have no problem with Murphy Dunn. Murphy Dunn, his playing is excellent and his acting is great in the movie. I have no problem. But this is not the original band on this album. Paul Schaefer is not on this album. My personal opinion is John Belushi was a bit of a misogynistic person. He never felt women were funny, even though he worked with Gilda Radner, who obviously is one one of the funniest women alive, and Jane Curtin and Lorraine Newman, all funny all funny women, all funny comedians. He never felt that women were as funny as men. And I think that might have been a reason why this stuck in his craw that he, that Paul Schaefer was working with Gilda Radner. It's not that he didn't like women. It was just that I, he just that old saying that women weren't funny. He had that in his head. Is the album perfect? The album No, the album is not perfect because they don't include John Lee Hooker on this album. I could see that they left off some of the songs that the Blues Brothers sang, because there's plenty of Blues Brothers songs on here. But they included every other co-star on here but John Lee Hooker. And he does Boom Boom and Boogie Chillin' in this movie. Either one of those songs deserved to be on this soundtrack. I do not know why they left off John Lee Hooker. That is a huge, huge mistake when it comes to this album. They, in my opinion, they could have left off the Peter Gunn theme. Even though you hear the band playing, we still have Sweet Home Chicago. That musical break between the middle and the end of that song where the band is just playing, that that would give you plenty, 
you know, plenty of idea of how great the band is. We could have left off the Peter Gunn theme and had Boogie Chillin' on this album, and it would have just taken it up just a one more notch. The fact that John Lee Hooker is not on this album is a crime. If you want to hear John Lee Hooker, because in the movie, both of his songs are played under dialogue, where the characters are talking. You hear the song, you know, you're tapping your foot to it, but you also have to pay attention to what's going on in the movie. I think one of those songs deserved to be on this album, such as Minnie the Moocher, where you can just listen to it from start to finish. You don't have to worry about any dialogue. You don't have to worry about anything interrupting the song. Just listen to it and listen how how great that song was. You can find the song on YouTube. It's out there, both those songs, Boogie, Boogie Chillin' and, and Boom Boom. But just the fact that if it was included in this whole, just where you could just put the Blues Brothers album or CD on and just have it included in the tapestry of the soundtrack on the album, I think would have made the album just a touch better. My opinion. Nothing wrong with the Peter Gunn theme. John Lee Hooker over the Peter Gunn theme. My, because the Peter Gunn thing sort of sticks out with this one because it is an instrumental. This, the John Lee Hooker song just put in there in, in place of the Peter Gunn thing, I think would have just made the album flow just a tad better. Make it just a little better. But they didn't, and we have the album that we have now. This is going to be a short podcast. I recommend this album. I recommend the movie. I've actually already done a podcast about this movie with my friends over at The Movie Gap. In the description, I will leave the link to that podcast. If you want to hear my thoughts on the movie, you can hear what I have to say on The Movie Gap. My thoughts on the album, kick-ass album. Pick it up, watch the movie, listen to the album. It'll be a full Blues Brothers day for you. Now we have to talk about how Dan Aykroyd did on this album. Dan Aykroyd plays the harmonica. When you hear the harmonica on all those songs, that's Dan Aykroyd playing the harmonica. He only gets to sing one song on the album, and that's the theme from Rawhide, but he's got that low voice. And he sings it like a country song, but he also sings it like you would hear at the beginning of the TV show. He incorporates, he turns turns it into a country-western song and a TV theme song. It's all in one, the band playing. Jake, you know, write him up, write him up. Just Jake that's throwing those in. I've never, this may be a surprise for you, I've never seen an episode of Rawhide. Whenever I hear that song, I think of the TV show Rawhide. Because at the end of the song in the movie, theme from the TV show Rawhide, thank you. Even though I've never seen an episode, because of the Blues Brothers, I know of Rawhide. I don't know what that says about me, but that's what happens. The other one where he appears, Give Me Some Eleven. The songs on the album are all studio recordings, and some of them are studio recordings with the audience sound put in. This song, this is the only, I believe this is the only live song recorded at a concert for the movie, and they used a live version on the album. To me, this Gimme Some Eleven is the highlight of the album. It's the song that I enjoy most of the album. You can feel the electricity in that song. You can feel the electricity in the audience. A couple of other songs, as I said before, they recorded a lot, like Minnie the Moocher. They had Cab Calloway lip sync in front of a live audience. This one, it's not lip sync. It's recorded live. Jake and Elwood, Dan and John do this song live in front of an audience, and it comes across fantastic on this album. Dan Aykroyd does not sing on this album, 
but he starts it off with, we're so glad to see so many of you people here tonight. He's done that on a couple of songs. Uh, but who you are, he just gives this great prequel to the song, a little prequel. He, he sets up the song, what the song means about. And as soon as he sets it up, John Belushi, Jake Elwood, just comes in, he starts busting out, and he and he, he just nails the song. Give me some of lovin'. Spencer Davis Group, highlight of the album. And that is it. I don't have much more to say about this. It's a shorter, it's an album, it's not a movie or a book, so it, it, it's shorter. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, leave me a comment. Let me know what you enjoyed. You can always support this podcast right here on Anchor. You can also support me on my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Scott White. Check me out on my website, scottyblanco.com. And just leave me a message. Let me know what you think. I want to know. I'm doing this podcast for you people. I enjoy doing it, but the main reason I do it is for you folks. I want your feedback. I want to know what you think. If you go to my Patreon page, you can request me to review something. Turn me on to what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. If you want to hear less of me, I will talk less. If you want to hear more from me, I will talk more. I'm going to put all that information once again in the description of this podcast. And we are out of here. This has been the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I am Scott White. Thank you guys for listening, and we will hear you next time.